Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky here on a Takeaway Podcast. How you doing, Buck? Man, I'm good. It's crazy. Life is crazy. Life is crazy. That is a good way to start the <laughs> podcast here because uh, I, I'm with you on that one. I, I think we uh, we have so much good stuff to get to. I say we, we save the happy chat and jump right in. You ready? Let's go. All right, Joey Bosa's back. Shotgun snap. Here come Bosa and Ingram. And there's Bosa, his first sack of the season. All the way back at the 22. Just explodes like a bolt of lightning for a loss of 11. That looks familiar. Talk about them struggling versus games. No games here. Just right off the snap. Quickness, power, bend, and finish. That's Joey Bosa. There you go. That's uh, Matt Money Smith with a bolt of lightning call right yeah, there. How about that? Nicely done. Uh, look, Bosa two sacks in this game. A lot of takeaways haven't been there yesterday from this game, Buck. But I think Bosa being back. And there's there's a couple times where they line up with Melvin Ingram on the end. Bosa over the guard, and Derwin James walked up to blitz off the edge. That's a lot of dudes coming at you. A lot of dudes come from one side. And, look, man, we've talked about Gus Bradley and what he's done with his defense. The fact that they were able to hold it together before Joey Bosa returned and now he's back, I think the Chargers are positioned to make a big run down the stretch. And we all have said it. Real football starts being played after Thanksgiving. You know the identity of your team. You know the identity of other teams. And now you're trying to build momentum into the postseason. The L.A. Chargers are well positioned to be a team that we talk about being in the winter circle. A couple of things this game. Obviously, uh, Phillip Rivers, a big headline with him starting off 25 for 25. He was he was just in a groove and some unbelievable catches to go along with that. Anytime you have a no-hitter in baseball, you see some great defensive plays. When you compete 25 – uh, complete 25 in a row, you're going to see some big-time catches by guys like Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler had a one-handed catch. Um, but the the other major takeaway here, Melvin Gordon with an injury. It looks like, uh, according to our Ian Rappaport, it's a grade two MCL, going to be a, a few weeks without him there. Um, but watching that game, Buck, I had a theory I want to bounce it off you because I brought this up to somebody in the personnel department. After the game, I was talking with Anthony Lynn, and I said, man, I said, Justin Jackson, when he got in the game, he looked explosive. Like, I don't even remember him looking that explosive at Northwestern. And he goes, fresh legs. <laughs> and I, I sat there, I thought about it. 
you know what? That's why I was talking to a couple buddies with teams. I said, from a team building standpoint, I kind of like the idea of stash, these rookie run. You can get undrafted rookie running backs. We see them all over the league. Stashing one, of, stashing one of those guys on your practice squad, and then we get to this, you know, week twelve, week thirteen. Oh, you know, we'll, we'll bump them up. We'll give them five, five to six touches. They look. It looks like they're on a different speed. There's dead legs all over the field. All of a sudden, you fresh as a day lily. Look explosive as all get out in that game. Look, I, I kind of agree with your theory and that premise in terms of bringing somebody out of the bullpen to be a major contributor and when you think about the way this season goes like man having someone that can come in down the stretch kind of like a designated hitter it certainly adds something to the offense and so when you think about the charges and being able to bring a guy in who has been practicing knows the playbook but now you're kind of sprinkling him in yeah no, it works no tread on those tires at this yeah, point it absolutely in time. Works. which by the way we're gonna get to your second or second takeaway uh, right now I'll let you lead off with that but I think there's another name we can throw in the mix go ahead with your takeaway buck the Ravens are more dangerous with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. They have it first and goal from the Oakland five. Play action. Jackson sprints to the left. Tucks and runs. He's in for the touchdown. Lamar Jackson. He went bootleg and untouched into the end zone. Hey, man, say what you want to about the Baltimore Ravens and the way that they're playing. This run, 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 run oh, right, style. And, and, and run some more. Yeah, it, it, it is working for them. And, you know, the funny thing about this game is when I was looking at the game and I'm watching it, and I'm like, man, I felt like Marty Morwig and those guys are trying to get cute. We're going to prove that Lamar Jackson can pass. So the first half, I'm like, why are we throwing so much with Lamar Jackson? Like, let's get to running. And what you saw in the second half, he began to run more. You saw Gus Edwards begin to get off, and they're beginning to have success. Once again, 43 rushing attempts, 242 yards, one touchdown. But second week in a row that they've had over 200 rushing yards. And to your point about bringing someone in out the bullpen, Gus Edwards back fresh, to back. Fresh as all get out. 100-yard games, 118 yards. And some of that is because you have to defend Lamar Jackson. Man, when you watch this game, you'll see all eyes on, on number eight. He sticks the ball in the belly. Everyone's paying attention to what number eight does after that. It creates bigger running lanes for Gus Edwards. And in the passing game, the Oakland Raiders were devoting a spot to Lamar Jackson. Yeah. For no reason, because he wasn't <laughs> scrambling, but because there was an extra guy paying attention to him, he was able to hit some open windows. Hey, this offense is better with number eight behind center. No question. We'll uh, we'll leave the Raiders alone. We won't put them in our crosshairs today with uh, w- with how bad they looked in this ball game. That's uh, we'll save that discussion for another day. But uh, let's keep things rolling here. A big night for Kirk Cousins. Cousins and the Vikings with a new set of downs. 11-11 remaining in the first half. Two receivers left to the line, and on first down, play action. Cousins sets the throw, looking for it all. Diggs is open in the end zone. He's got it on the left side of the end zone for the touchdown. Stephon Diggs was wide open, and Cousins floated it in from 30 yards out. I was watching uh, a game. Actually, this was a high school game. I was watching. It was the uh, the Bosco a modern day game, right? Mm, yeah. So, it, the, which was a, for those who don't follow high school football, this is as big as it gets. So about two of the top three teams in the country. Yeah, big time, big time game. But there was a sideline shot. You always, we're always trying to learn, right? Any any level of football you're watching is trying to learn. So I I, I see the sideline shot, and I think it was uh, Negro, the head coach at, yep. at Bosco. Does he call the plays? Uh, he does. He has a new offensive coordinator. Okay. Offensive coordinator. He, anyways, he had a play sheet, and there, there was a close up on him. Which in the NFL, they know you don't take a close up of a guy's play sheet, but you can just see it on there. And he had these initials down, and it, I had to write. I was like, "What does that mean?" T W T D G Y. And I thought about it. 
take what the defense gives you. Yep. And that's what I was thinking of when I was watching Kirk Cousins do his thing against the Green Bay Packers. Hey, when shots are available, take your shots. But for the most part, he was content. You're going to give me these little crosses. You're going to give me stuff underneath. I'm going to take it ding, 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 ding all day long. And that's how you have to play. And I think that is what the smart teams realize. We can go back to the original takeaway, Phillip Rivers being able to complete 25 passes in a row. The thing that the veteran quarterbacks, the great ones have done, they will paper cut you to death because it doesn't matter. If you're going to give us the check down, we'll take the check down all day because eventually you'll become undisciplined and we'll take the shot. Kirk Cousins played the way that we expected him to play in Minnesota. They have so many weapons around him. He doesn't need to be a hero. Be a point guard. Man, just be a point guard. Let those guys do the work. And we saw Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, Dalvin Cook. All of those guys made plays because he gave them the ball, let them win their one-on-one battles, and it works for them. And if the Vikings can continue to play this way, even though they still need a little more of the running game to be a factor, I think they still can be a dangerous team when we talk about teams that could do some damage in the tournament. When they're healthy up front on the defensive line. they I, I charted it in that game, Buck, against, uh, against Aaron Rodgers, 28 pass attempts. I think they got to him three or four times. You know how many times they rush more than four? Three times. I mean, that's how you want to play. Four. You're going to play a great quarterback, get home with four. That, that's, that's the way you play them, and that's exactly what they did. Don't take crazy risks. Play coverage and let those guys up front win. And when they added Sheldon Richardson, a lot of people didn't talk about yep. it. But, man, they got another great A pass rusher on the inside to help. Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, you talk about a formidable front line. And the Green Bay Packers, to uh, reiterate what we've been saying here, I feel like for a very long time, all day average. Yes. Average. That's what they are. They can't win on the road. They can't. They can't Average win on the road. Team. They can't win. And, and here's the thing: in writing about like Mike McCarthy, and people want to blame him and say that he is kind of keeping Aaron Rodgers back. Here's what happened: Mike McCarthy inherited a team where he had wide receivers that could win one on one. Donald Driver, James Jones, Greg Jennings. When he got there, they had a simple system where he could be like, "Look, we're better than you. We're yep. gonna go Line play." Line up and play. Right now, he wants to run that same system, but he doesn't have those dudes. It's only one dude on their offense that you worry about. Devontae Adams. The rest of those guys are all day average or they're young. And so it's going to be tough for them to win against elite teams. Let me put it to you this way, Buck, because you know how we love alliteration here. Um, ideally, offensively, the ideal world, you've got scheme and skill. Yep. You can be a good offense with one or the other. Right now, when I look at the Packers, I don't know they have either. Yeah, and it's tough. And so what you have to have is either a scheme that elevates the players or the players can elevate the scheme by making plays. And right now, they're not at that mix, and it's going to be tough for them because there are a lot of teams in the NFC that are better constructed teams than them. All right, let's, uh, let's keep things rolling here. What's your next takeaway? Seahawks are creeping back into contention. Davis, the single setback. This could be ball game. Russell takes the shotgun snap. Look, now he's going to throw down the far sideline. Got a man out there reaching up, making the catches more. Touchdown, Seahawks. David Moore running stride for stride with the defender, Corn Elder. Hey, look, man, the, the Seattle Seahawks have kind of that they've done a rebuild on the fly. And part of the reason they've been able to be successful with this rebuild, they've gone back to the future, meaning they have gone back to the way that they were winning games in 2012, 2013, 2014, running the ball a lot, controlling the clock, and finding ways to win at the end. Well, this week against the Carolina Panthers, they tried to run it. They ran it 28 times, only had 75 yards. But when you have the luxury of having a franchise quarterback, it allows you to deviate from that strategy and still have success. Russell Wilson, 300-yard passing game, two touchdowns. Even though they didn't have a lot of success on the ground, only averaged 2.7 per carry, they stuck with the rushing attempts. 
The reason you want to play this way is because it protects your defense. It is a control game, and it makes it hard for teams to beat you. But the luxury of having Russell Wilson, he is the ultimate hole card. He can get you out of a jam if you need to. But it's kind of like keeping him in the glass. Break him out when needed. If not, we'll continue to run the ball. It works for them just like it works for the New Orleans Saints. People don't want to say the Saints play like this, but in a way, they grind it. And if they need Drew Brees to be big, they'll unleash him. But if not, they'll play ball control. This strategy works, and it will work for them as they go into the playoffs. Yeah, some wealthy people have the Sunday car, right? Yep. Yeah, just on Sunday, you can take that thing Just break it out. Just break it out. That's what they do with Russell Wilson. I wrote down run, run, Russ, pass. Like, that's been their their plan. Run, okay, then maybe Russell can run a little bit defensively, say stop the run, okay, keep Russell Wilson in the pocket. Well, they did both those things, and Russell Wilson torched them. 339 yards, and I'm going to do a little uh, breakdown on the Aftermath show later today, Buck, where – you know, second and 14, obvious passing situation. Boom, big throw outside. You know, fourth and three, the game winner, home run over the top. Shot. Like, there, there, there were four or five different instances where everybody in the whole stadium knows you have to pass the football, and Russell Wilson said, I got you. No, and no that deal. is what a franchise quarterback No question. Does. When everybody knows like, you're going to do it, you still do it. The franchise quarterback, people think it's, oh, the franchise quarterback has to carry him the whole game. No. You want to have a franchise quarterback – just in case we need him to carry it. You want the rest of the team to be good enough where the rest of the team can stand on its own, but the franchise quarterback is the cherry on top of the Sunday. That is what Russell Wilson is for the Seahawks. No question, and real quick on the Panthers before we move on. Uh, now lost three in a row, Buck, and you got torched by Ben Roethlisberger two weeks ago. You get torched by Russell Wilson now, and I look at this schedule. You tell me what you think coming down the stretch here. Tampa Bay Bucks, whatever you think of them, the pass offense, they can chuck it. Yep. The Browns and Baker Mayfield as hot as any quarterback in the NFL, yep. the way he looks right now. Saints, enough said. Falcons, Matt Ryan and company, enough said. Saints once again. See, if they that, don't figure out what they're doing in pass defense, they are in big trouble. And that's why you can't give away games. Yep. You can't give away games like they gave away in Detroit. You can't give away some of the games that they gave early in the year. You need all of those to stack them up so you can have a cushion because when it comes down to stretch and you're playing those better teams, some of those are coin flips. The Carolina Panthers are in a deep hole because they didn't take care of business when they had opportunities. All right, let's keep it going here. Josh Allen, he gave the Bills a nice little formula for success. Here's the snap. It's a quarterback draw. Josh Allen breaks one tackle at the five, heads into the end zone. He is in for the touchdown. Josh Allen, touchdown Buffalo. A 14-yard quarterback draw for the big man. Touchdown Bills. Nice call there on Josh Allen. And, uh, Buck, this is somebody, Jalen Ramsey, obviously that was a big headline, called him trash in a GQ interview. And Josh Allen ended up getting the best of the uh, of the Jags in this one. Went back and watched the tape. Thought it was interesting. Uh, called six boots, six boots in this game. Four of them, he threw the ball. Two of them, he took off and ran, but did a nice job of moving him around. And then, obviously, you saw when he took off, you see the athleticism he brings to the table. The difference between him – and Lamar Jackson. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is more explosive. But Josh Allen is a fantastic athlete. And he, on the other hand, is built to take the kind of punishment you could take from being a double-digit carry guy. 13 carries, 99 yards, and a touch. And he would have been over 100 if not for some kneel downs at the end of the game. But that's the formula that they have to use with Josh Allen. I think you get him on the move with some of those boots, some design quarterback runs, as well as him just taking off and running with the football. And then when you get an opportunity – Big shot down the field. He's not going to hit all of them. Doesn't have to. He hit a couple of them. Uh, hit the big one there uh, for the long touchdown to Robert Foster. So that, to me, is the formula. Play great defense, run the football, let him use his legs, and, and throw a deep shot every now and then. Hey, look, people call me crazy when I said, look, Josh Allen 
is Cam, their version of Cam Newton for the Buffalo Bills. Sean McDermott saw what Cam Newton was able to do for the Carolina Panthers when he was the defensive coordinator. Brandon Bean and all those other guys that are former Carolina Panthers employees and front office guys saw the impact that Cam Newton had on their squad. Now, I'm not saying that Josh Allen is as dynamic, but one thing that he brings, he has size, he has speed, he has running skills, and he has a big arm. They have seen how that recipe has worked and got them to a Super Bowl. They have unleashed Josh Allen as a runner and a playmaker, and it worked. 13 carries, 99 yards. He almost had a 100-yard day on the ground. That is better than Shady McCoy. It adds a dimension to the offense. And then with his big arm, we can talk about his – accuracy woes but look he's no different than Cam Newton when it comes to not being able to consistently put the ball in the strike zone 8 for 19 160 big plays enough to work for them and as long as their defense plays at a high level they can win games like this I just like that the Buffalo Bills are true to form they're not trying to make him be something that he's not they're allowing him to play the game the way that he has to play based on his skill set no question all right keep it going what's number six Baker Mayfield and the Browns are right on track Landry and Callaway near side left. Mayfield by himself in the shotgun. Second down and goal at the Cincy 6. He's got the snap. Looks left. Comes back middle. Throws. Tight end screen. And Joku hops up at the 2. And they push him and push him into the end zone. Touchdown with a little help from his friends. Hey, man. Greg Williams may be the guy. He may be the guy that gets the job because – he and the new offensive coordinator, Freddie Kitchens, they have Baker Mayfield and this offense on track. The one thing that I will say, and I don't know if Freddie Kitchens is getting enough credit, he simplified the offense uh, to help Baker Mayfield have success, meaning they're throwing these simple concepts, these concepts that are kind of like day one install concepts, but they really work for Baker Mayfield because these are some of the things that he did at Oklahoma, but it also marries up with the running game that they're doing. They ran the ball 35 times, passed it 26. He was very efficient throwing the ball, 19 for 26, four touchdowns. He is really working all areas of the field, and what you're seeing his timing and anticipation and the things that you liked about him at Oklahoma, they're putting him in a situation where he can do that for the Cleveland Browns. This offense works for them, and when they're spirited and charged up and playing like they appear to be playing for Greg Williams, the Cleveland Browns look like they might be right on track to win seven, eight games this year, which to me would be a tremendous success in his first year as a starter. Yeah, I'm just looking some stuff up here. I'm going to give it to you here in just a second. Let me look up one more. Um want to get excited if you're a Browns fan I've got some some information for you here just watching that tape some guys that jumped out obviously Baker was phenomenal Baker's 23 years old Buck uh you heard that touchdown call to Njoku he's 22 years old mm-hmm. uh Chubb we've seen what Nick Chubb can do he's 22 years old how about Callaway who had a big game in this one he's 21 years old I mean this whole offense has a chance and I'll be interested to see what they do with the coaching situation if they decide to bring in a new head coach and keep Freddie Kitchens or maybe they keep Greg Williams if they keep it rolling but mm-hmm. I'd be Man, I'd, I'd be a little tempted just to keep Freddie Kitchens in his place right now. We've got the quarterback comfortable playing at a high level. Got him going. Let, now you can let play caller and, and all these offensive weapons grow right. up together. I, I mean, that so, would be, so, be hard for me to change that out if he keeps playing like I'm, this. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, DJ. What is a new head coach going to bring in if you keep the offensive coordinator? What is he going to change? He's, yeah. he's, culturally, yeah. like, look, Greg Williams, for all of his bravado and bluster and all of this other stuff, he kind of has an understanding and a feel and a rapport with these players um, they're buying in. And maybe it just took them clearing out the nonsense that may have been going on with Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson and people fighting over who should be calling or how the game should be called, having a guy who appears to be 
an egoless guy in Freddie Kitchens yep. who is just about trying to get Baker Mayfield comfortable, trying to get him going, and it's working. And as they continue to be a tough out for teams, I do believe that there are some in the building, particularly in the ownership part, they believe that maybe Greg Williams could be the right man for the job, maybe short term until they need to go outside the building to find somebody to be the long-term head coach. We'll see if they can keep it rolling here, but it was fun to watch Baker. He was he was on fire. Some big-time throws in that game. Just anticipation, uh, some some of those deep over routes where he's just, just putting the ball right on the money. He was, uh, he was impressive. It was a fun tape uh, to watch there. Next one, uh, it ain't luck, Buck. It ain't luck. First and 10, Indianapolis at the 14-yard line of Miami. Luck goes under center, moves a man in motion. That's Ebron from left to right. Luck, five-step drop, has time. Going to loft it into the end zone, looking for Ebron. Ebron goes up, and he makes the catch. Touchdown! Yes, sir! 14 yards away, Mr. Clutch Eric Ebron strikes again. That's his 10th receiving score of the year, and the Colts are within a point at the moment. It's 7-6. to six. Yeah, Ebron will go on to get another one, his 11th touchdown of the year. Go Tar Heels. By the way, Mac Brown. How about that? Is that Bring really happening? Yeah. Are you are you not going to leave me? Are you going to go coach That's coach DBs right receivers out there? What are you no, doing? no, no, no. It's, I think it's a done deal. But no, I I think for Mac, it's 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 a great job. I think he uh, he understands the culture there. He'll build a culture. I don't know what the X and O's and stuff will look like, but I think it was more about the community. Yeah, he needs to bring the community back together. Alumni, boosters, administrators, all that. Get that connected. They'll figure out a way to win games. I'll right, we'll see what happens there. But back no, but back to, to back, Eric back Ebron. To Ebron. So like here here's the funny thing about Eric Ebron. Um, the Detroit Lions couldn't find a way to use him. He goes to Indianapolis, and he is everything that he should be as a top-10 talent. He is crushing it. He's putting the ball in the paint. Andrew Luck has found ways to get him the ball. They're building around their tight ends. And this was a game, like, of all the games that we have talked about Andrew Luck being hot, this is probably the worst game that we've seen him play this yeah, year. Yeah, a couple bad decisions. But what they are, they are a much tougher team. They're a grittier team. And they didn't flinch when things were going bad. Look. This team, Andrew Luck deserves a lot of credit, but the rest of the pieces of this team are beginning to come together. And, man, they are man, they are trending right. They, they may get to the playoffs before they're even supposed to, and they're going to have a wealth of options and, and assets available to them next year to really build this team the right way. And no question, going back and watching that, a couple things jumped out to me. Marlon Mack did a nice job in pass pro. Uh, a couple of those plays down the field, stepping in there, putting his, uh, his face in the fan, as we like to say, and scouting Naheem Hines. Uh, had a nice drive starter on a little swing route to get them uh, to get them going. Um, he's he's out turned out to be a nice little player for him. And uh, I, th- I just when you watch him, you can just tell they're well coached. There's there's two plays in a row uh, where their young right tackle uh, at Auburn, Braden Smith, gets beat by Cam Wake. One of them ends up being a sack, and uh, the other one was a pressure. So then in a big moment in the game. They use the back to go over there and chip him, and it just gives you enough time to get the ball down the field. But just yep. you just see them constantly making adjustments inside the game. And then at the end of the game, when you had to have a play, Andrew Luck kind of reminded us of that superhuman talent. When he climbs up in the pocket, fading away to his right, and throws it all the way across the field to his left, that was a freakish throw. I think, once again, we talk about it. You want a franchise quarterback for those moments. You don't need him to carry him all four quarters, yeah. but you want him to be there in the fourth quarter to seal the game, to make a play that puts you over the top. That's the entire point of making sure that you have an elite player at that position. For him to finish it when you have the opportunity, that's what Andrew Luck did, despite all of the issues that he had during the game. The best, the best analogy I can use is, look, if you watch an NBA game, your best player doesn't come down the floor and wave everybody off and clear everybody out and go one-on-one for the entirety of the game. But – Guess what? When there's 10 seconds left in the game and they got the ball in their hand, here you go. 
Give clear, it to clear it out, and let's go. That's yeah. what happens with these star quarterbacks. That's what we've seen happen there with Andrew Luck. Yeah, that is exactly what's happening. That's the way that we need to think about it. When we're drafting guys, we're drafting guys not necessarily to carry, but does he have the it factor that when the game is on the line, he can make that play. That is how you define your franchise quarterback. All right, what's the next one? Tampa Buccaneers should not give up on Jameis Winston. Cameron Bray to the left. Here's the snap. Winston has protection. It starts to break down. Rolling to his right. He throws the ball against his body. Wide open. Adam Humphreys to the 10. To the 5. Humphreys to the 3 2 1. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Adam Humphreys. Fire them cannons. Hey, the. Look, a few weeks ago we thought it was over for Jameis. A few weeks ago was right. I mean, we wondered if he would ever get an opportunity, despite being the number one overall pick. We wondered could he continue to be the face of this franchise? Could he be the quarterback, the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? This performance right here shows that the talent is there for him to be a guy that can eventually become an elite-level player. If I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if I'm ownership, if I'm front office personnel, I'm looking at his performance. I'm like, man, it's there. I just got to make sure that we get the right stuff around him, be it coach, be it personnel, or whatever. We need to make sure that we exhaust all of our options before we move on from him. I think Jameis Winston might have bought himself a little more time as a Tampa Bay Buccaneers starting quarterback. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm just looking at, at their game logs here for, for Jameis, and there's some numbers you can pull out and like. Look at some of these completion percentage numbers in games this year, 80%, 73%, 75%, 76.3%. Those, those are some good numbers. Um, you look at the yard totals. 395, 365, 312 in this game against the 49ers. Some good numbers. The one that's killing them is two interceptions, two interceptions, two interceptions, four interceptions, one interception. This is the first game he's had where he hasn't thrown a pick. Uh, so to me, that is that's the Jameis Winston experience. Shows he can be accurate. Shows he can he can push the ball vertically and be explosive. He's got to do a better job protecting the football. When he protects the football, he can be a winning quarterback. He just hasn't done it this year uh, aside from this ball game. Yeah, he hasn't. But if he takes care of the ball, and I know we talk about like, man, you just take care of it. It's always been the big issue with him. But when he takes care of the ball, obviously the talent is there. So now what do they do differently in this game? I think if I'm Dirk Cutter, I'm trying to make sure that I can try and replicate this game plan each and every week that we have an opportunity to take the field. I want to make sure he's comfortable. I want to make sure that he takes enough shots, but he also takes care of the ball. That is very, very important. Two weeks in a row, he has been good. He was good when he came in with the Giants. He's been, he was great against the San Francisco 49ers. Two and a half games, that's, that's something that you certainly can build on. The other interesting thing here with this Bucks team, uh, it's, not, it's not fun to play quarterback when you're on the other side. The other team's going 48, 34, 37, 38. I mean, that's – I mean, how do you play like that? Chasing like, points. I mean, everything. Every, every now, game. some of those points are a result of him turning the ball over. Right? Yeah, it works but, both but, ways. But, but, but. Every, every game you're in a shootout. Like, man, imagine if they could slow it down. And also, if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the number one priority – you got to get a big-time running back in the building. Yeah. you got to get someone that can, can impact the game at running back so you don't have to put it all on him. He has never had the luxury of really having a legitimate threat in the backfield to offset some of the pressure on him to have to throw it every down. All right, keep it rolling here. Denver's dangerous. Snap. Quick pass to the middle. Intercepted in the end zone. Intercepted by Shelby Harris. They tried to dump the ball over the middle of the field after the run fake, and Shelby Harris – the defensive lineman with the play of the game. All right, Denver is uh, coming off back-to-back -back wins now. Go on the road and beat the Chargers in a close game. And now they can add the Steelers to their list. And I'm going back through and looking at this team. They beat the Seahawks earlier this year. But think about a couple of these other games, Buck. They, they play the Rams extremely tough. They lose 23-20. to They've played the Chiefs twice. They lose 27-23. to 
And then they play them the second time. We'll score that one here. The second time they played them, they lose 30-23. to So one-score games both times against Kansas City Chiefs. They've now beat the Chargers. Now they've beat the Steelers. This is a team, if they get in, is kind of dangerous with that pass rush that they have and able to run the football. And look at their schedule coming up. At the Bengals, at the 49ers, the Browns, at the Raiders, and then they finish up at home against the Chargers, who they already beat. You can make a case they could run the table. Be 10-6, and six, they're in. They could run the table. They could be 10-6, and 9-7. and seven. Like You could definitely make – the, the case that they're going to get hot. They're playing um, their best ball at the right time. I think the thing that is interesting on them offensively, the way they're generating production on offense, Casey Keenum isn't great, but he's been efficient. He was effective, had a 197, had two touchdowns. Phillip Lindsay has been I a love nice Phillip for Lindsay, him. man. 14 carries, 110 yards, big touchdown, had a 32-yard gain. Uh, and then on the outside, Emmanuel Sanders is the number one receiver, and then getting contribution elsewhere. On defense – they're beginning to kind of find their rhythm, their mojo. Bradley Chubb, uh, Vaughn Miller, the other guys playing inside. This is a very, very good front line. And in the back end, they gave up a lot of yards, but they buckled down when they needed to in the red zone. And on the flip side, this brings me to the Pittsburgh Steelers because I've been fighting with dudes on. Yeah, Twitter. you are. You, I see this uh, Pittsburgh yeah, like fight. You, you, you go ahead. Yeah, but I, I like this. But like, look, like here's what I was trying to get people to do. Our own James Palmer talked to the Broncos after the game, and one of their players said, "Look, the game plan going in, we want to double team Antonio Brown. We want to double team Juju, Juju. Smith Schuster, and let." The other guys do whatever they did. If they could beat us with the other guys, so be it. So that matched something that I wrote uh, a couple weeks ago where I talked to coaches who had faced the Steelers, and they said the plan will be, now that we know Levy and Bell isn't there, our plan will be we'll take, take our 19, chances. We'll take our chances. Take with James 19, Conner. take 84 away. We don't believe number 30 special enough to beat us consistently or whatever. And even though one of these guys had gotten beat by the Steelers using that tactic, he said we think it's the right tactic going forward. And what people – are missing, and I'll just make it as simple as this. They had all those yards. They scored 10 points. 10 points on offense, the other was a fake field goal for a touchdown. Yeah. So if you have 500 yards but you don't score points, it's hard to win. And part of the beauty in having a dynamic player to, to that can run is when you get the ball inside the five, you run it. I think it's telling that the ball is sitting at the two-yard line and they do not give the ball to James Conner. No. And I'll go back to when Le'Veon Bell was there. Years ago, they played the Chargers on the road. The game was on the line, no timeouts. They ran a wildcat snap to Le'Veon Bell to win the game. Mm-hmm. Coaches will tell you exactly what they think about their team, how they call the game. Right now, they believe that they have to do it all with Big Ben and the passing game. They're not going to win significantly unless there's more balance. So I'll bring up, because I saw a little bit of this on Twitter, because I want to give you a chance to, to defend it even further here. So the counter argument was, ah, well, well, Juju had a, almost 200 yards. They threw, the ball, threw him the ball 17 times. He had 13 catches for 189 yards. And Antonio Brown had nine catches on 13 targets. So they targeted those guys 30 times when they're getting double covered, and they, they put up 189 plus 67. I'm not good at math, but it's, it's, a, lot of, it's, a, it's a lot of yards. It's a lot of yards. So then what, what do you respond when you get that? Because I saw you getting that on Twitter. Oh, I got that. But, like, here's the thing. Like, look, Juju had a big game. But even if you think about that, he had a 97-yard catch. He averaged 14.5 a catch. Okay, that's, that's solid. Antonio Brown averaged less than eight yards a catch. So really, you, they allowed one ball to sail over their head. One ball to sail over hit. So eight yards of catch is not going to beat you. That's, I mean, I mean, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. The rest of the guys have to be able to to cover further. So yeah, it didn't work, but they were able to buckle down in the red zone. Where James Conner has to be a factor, you can throw it all over the yard, but at some point you have to be able to run it 
end. You got to be able to grind it out. Inside the red zone, when it gets tighter, it makes it harder for them to throw. That's where he has to be a factor. The last three or four games, he has not been the factor that he was when he had a bunch of scrimmage yards. And what you're seeing is as it gets closer to the end of the season, the football changes. It becomes a matchup game, and we're going to make your others have to win. So until he is able to make plays, they're going to continue to have problems putting the ball in the paint. Because last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, they were bailed out because they kept getting opportunities and they passed it in. Two weeks in a row, I just don't think it's a coincidence, two weeks in a row the offense has sputtered and they haven't been able to kind of light it up like they want to. Five interceptions for Ben Roethlisberger over the last two weeks. And for all the talk about the Saints as a team in the NFC who home field advantage matters to them more than any other, you can start looking at this Steeler team and just look at Ben Roethlisberger. At home, Buck, he's thrown three picks. On the road, he's thrown nine. Nine picks on the road. He's thrown nine. And I think here's the thing about the Steelers. I don't know if people have looked at their schedule. It doesn't get easy for the Steelers. So look, Chargers this week. Chargers, Chargers this week. They have a, a bye when they play the Oakland Raiders. They then play the Patriots and the Saints. They play the Patriots at home, and they go to New Orleans to play the Saints, and they finish with Cincinnati. Yep. Three of those games are in question. And so when we're talking about this team being built the right way, they're they're looking good right now, seven and three. How are they going seven three and one? How are they going to finish up with those good teams? Because you know what the Chargers are. You see yep. the Chargers every week. The Chargers gonna be like, oh yeah, we're gonna make sure. Let's not let those other guys on the outside get us. Let's make the others win. And we know the Patriots are gonna do that. Yep. So then it comes down to can they go and match it with the New Orleans Saints? It's, it's just a tough road to hold for the it's Pittsburgh Steelers. It's going to be a fascinating finish to the season here. We've got one more takeaway. What is it? Sony Michelle gives the Patriots offense a little more bite. Adrian Waddle is an extra tackle eligible to love. Hollister lines up there as well. Gronk the tight end right from the eye. Brady gives. Michelle runs. Turning to the goal line. This time he penetrates for sure. Touchdown, Patriots. Throw the flag. You get two defenders in the face of the referee. Continue to complain. Spike the football and go back to the sideline. <laughs> Beautiful. Wow. Man, that is tough. Hey, we have talked about Sonny Michelle on multiple times on this podcast and what he does to impact the offense. Where Tom Brady is now, Tom Brady can't make all the plays for this team in terms of carrying the offense with the passing game. But when you give him a solid running game, it alleviates some of the pressure on them. And they play differently when Sonny Michelle is there. You see a little more two-back football, a little more power football very early in the games. They tend to control the tempo a little more when Sonny Michelle is there. And even though they still give it to James White and they still use those guys out of the backfield, the running game is more critical to the Patriots this year than it's ever been with Tom Brady at quarterback. Yeah, no question. We were uh, just talking uh, a little bit before here about that that uh, Georgia backfield. How about that one with that group? Sonny that's, Michelle, that, Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb. That's unbelievable, right? Not bad. It's unbelievable. Like, what kind of recruiting are you doing to get all those guys there? Speaking of running backs, uh, rookie running backs, Sonny Michelle, 21 for a buck 33 and a touchdown. Gus Edwards, the Gus bus, we talked about, 23 for 118. Phillip Lindsay, 14 for 110, averaging 7.9. Uh, a carry there. Barkley, 101 yards and a touchdown. I mean, this is a pretty darn good, impressive uh, uh, rookie running back class here. The one thing I wanted to throw at you here, though, Buck, before we get out of here, um, did you? I don't know if you saw my comparison with Philip Lindsay going circling back to him real quick. Did you see that one? Uh, I didn't. What did you, what'd you do? I was trying to go back through and find running backs that were kind of that 185, 190-pound guys that had that just explosiveness, that shorter quickness and explosiveness. I went all the way back to work done. Ooh. I tell you, look, he's on pace for like 1,100 yards. He's averaging almost six yards a carry. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been outstanding. But I was just trying to figure out a, a comp for him. Like, who is he remind me of? You know, Warwick Dunn just had that stop-start quickness and just that burst to and through the hole. Uh, it, that kid's impressive, man. No, very, very impressive. Look, undrafted free agent. Um, he's found his way not only onto the team but into a starring role for the Denver Broncos. His quickness, his stop-start ability, his um, better-than-anticipated power. That, I mean, that's something that's hard to find in these guys that are smaller, but he has really given them a solid running game. He and Royce Freeman have done a bang-up job the last couple of weeks. The Denver Broncos are dangerous because their defense – has the ability to hold you down in any week. And if they can just get enough offense, they can get wins. There you go. All right, we'd, uh, we we got to get running here. Anything else you want to add before we bounce? No, 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 I can't wait till we get to the podcast tomorrow. I asked I asked Kent behind the uh, glass back there a little bit earlier this morning uh, if his neck was hurting. Is your neck? He said, no, his neck's fine. It shocked me because I didn't know if him looking up at me in the standings on the college oh, pick. Oh, oh, it was a bad week. It was a bad week your for neck sure. at all. Bad Bad week. I said to Bucky earlier before the show. I don't know why I went with Washington State over Washington. That yeah, that, was, that yeah, that's a rookie that, move. That was not. That was. That was that's not that something was. befitting of a two-time defending champ back there. No, it's not. Um, Especially when you know, you just know, like name oh, brands. Name. Oklahoma. Eventually, Oklahoma and Washington. There's a reason why they're Oklahoma and Washington. There's they, a reason why they're back. West Virginia and why they're Washington State. They come. They come back. Like it's just. It's disappointing. Oh, disappointing. All right. Let's uh, let's get out of here. That's going to do it for us. Remember, you can uh, be on the lookout for videos. We've got a bunch of videos coming your way. NFL.com slash MTS video, YouTube.com uh, slash NFL. We appreciate all the, uh, the ratings and reviews you guys leave us on Apple Podcasts. And uh, we'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.